Welcome to Career Beats, 20-minute talks to navigate the new career development paradigm. Hosted by Carmen González, coach and career advisor at ESADE Careers. Hi, listeners. I'm Carmen González, Associate Director of ESADE Careers, coach and passionate about unlocking talent. I'm so pleased to be here with you today. Have you ever asked yourself why some ideas turn into action while others get completely overseen? Why would you say we decide to blindly follow certain people? Believe it or not, the secret lies behind the way we communicate. Communication determines our professional success and is one of our biggest assets for career development and impactful leadership. So, if you're looking to understand what's behind effective communication and transform your leadership skills, you're in the right place. We are honored to have Catherine D'Amico with us today to talk about effective communication and impactful leadership. Catherine is Canadian and a, and a professor in communication strategy, leadership, and applied neuroscience at the Sade Business and Law School where she currently serves as academic director of hybrid global excellence executive MBA programs. Apart from her academic position, she regularly collaborates with executive education and corporate programs in several Fortune 500 companies like Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, or PepsiCo. She's also a well-known and highly requested keynote speaker and program lead on communication strategy the neuroscience of leadership and decision-making, and the gender dynamics of language. On top of that, she has wide experience as a professional mentor in public speaking and deck pitch management in the EU and in top accelerators, where she has mentored more than 900 startups in the last five years. And if that wasn't enough, she's also the CEO of Swala Ventures, a company that helps leaders in communication perception management, and strategic narratives. Wow, Catherine, you have such an amazing, amazing background. We are so excited and honored to have you with us today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, and it's a pleasure to be here. The pleasure is absolutely ours. So, Catherine, I'm very happy to talk to you about such interesting topics as the power of talk and the power of persuasion especially because you approach them from a neuroscience perspective, which is very innovative. In your conferences, you say that language is one of the most powerful things we can use for professional skills, credibility, and success. Can you tell us a little bit more about the power of language to drive change? Yes, of course. You know, I think that we have to look at the role that language has when we speak about change and we speak about decision making. And I would like actually to begin with a definition of language, which is learned social behavior. In other words, it's learned and language at the end of the day is a behavior. It's a verbal behavior and it's a nonverbal behavior. So when we are born, we're not born speaking. We're born mm. with the potential to speak. So both of our genes and our environment play a role in how we perceive other people through our verbal behavior and our nonverbal behavior. 
You know, our human brain is a very, very complex, sophisticated instrument. But at its core, really, it's nothing but an organ of an animal hmm. prone to instinctual emotional responses, linking these responses to the behavior of others. So I've been speaking now um, barely two minutes, yet even though this is a podcast and we don't have a visual, people have already made a snap decision. And this snap decision happens in a very ancient part of our brain near our spinal column. And that decision is unconscious and it's emotional. And that decision was, do I trust this person? Are they confident? Do they seem competent? So much of how we evaluate other mutually happens in the form of talk, and it happens in the form of nonverbal talk. And all of that is language, and all of this is perception management. And that is the other, the, the key principle, I would say, to change. You cannot change without first, you know, moving past or working with this initial perception which comes from our language. That's very, very interesting. So I'm assuming then that the linguistic style that we use really matters, right? So what role do language and linguistic styles play in business decisions? Yeah, that I really actually like that question a lot because everything we say is said in a certain tone of voice, in a certain speed, in a certain volume, loudness, pitch. And where we consciously consider what to say before speaking, rarely do we spend enough time thinking about how to say something. Unless, of course, the situation is loaded, such as a job performance or a tense negotiation or a disagreement. So linguistic styles is defined as the characteristic speaking pattern that we all have. This is individual to us, it's also culturally bound, and linguistic styles include things such as uh, direct versus indirectness, or pacing, how we interrupt, or maybe whether culturally it's rude and, you know, um, we don't, we're not supposed to interrupt. It include things called pausing, uh, whether we tell jokes, whether that's acceptable, um, questions, apologies, even the role of apologies. So these are culturally learned signals that we have. And through this, we communicate and interpret each other's meanings. And here the big question is, we always mean more than we say. And when it comes down to decision-making and influence another's decisions, or if you're listening to me and I'm trying to persuade you now, we are all subject to something called the affinity bias. Hmm. You know, we like to think that we're very objective and rational beings, but the objective, rational human being has not yet been born on planet Earth. We are all biased. Yeah. So the similarity bias or the affinity bias actually broken down comes into we like people and agree with people who are similar to us through yeah. these linguistic styles and yet we tend to dislike and actually disagree with people who are different to us now this similarity and differences is cued by linguistic styles and that plays a role in the ultimate decision making can we learn to talk as a leader and if so how yeah, that is a really important question too. 
The short answer to this question is there is no leadership without the right communication. Good luck. Impossible. <laughs> In other words, I would say that there are five really key points to learn to speak like a leader. Now, when I say learn to speak like a leader, it's really in the end about um, perception management. It doesn't matter how prepared you are or how important you believe the points you are making is. Success is something other people give you. So the first step is, number one, the people listen to us out of self-interest. So I might prioritize a set of information but it may not be top of mind to someone who's listening to me. So number mm -hmm. one is find out. Number two, there are three internal triggers, which are the basis of all of our behavior, verbal, nonverbal decisions, etc. And that is habits, values, and beliefs. If a leader knows the habits of his or her market or his or her audience or team, that is a strategic advantage because we don't like to change our habits very much. Yeah. So if you can anchor your message to what people believe, what they value as important and what they do, because after all, we are what we repeatedly do, then you hit relevance. And that's point number three. If you are relevant to other people, if people feel that they are reflected and they feel important and they feel like they are part of your message, people will follow. And that brings us to the fourth point. Even though you succeed in doing all of this, you have to understand that maybe their decision making process is different than your own. So maybe you um, prioritize trusting the person more to make your decision and get a yes. Well, maybe I prioritize more getting the facts, seeing the numbers and trusting your analytical argument. So people have different decision making styles and it is up to you to hit a balance with everyone, even when it is different from your own decision making style. And that brings me to the, fun, the, the fifth point. Leaders, when they speak, his or her leaders always understand that perceptions of other people perceptions are as important as the facts. So it's not only, as you mentioned earlier, it's not only in the what, it's everything to do with the how. With the how, yeah, no, that's very interesting. And, it's, and, and, and it makes me think that spending time getting to know your audience, your team, your colleagues is very, very important in order to have an impact uh, when you're communicating an idea, a project, etc. So doing that pre-work yes. of getting to know your audience, mm -hmm. getting to know what really motivates your audience yeah. so you can untap those uh, habits, values, and beliefs is absolutely yeah. key, crucial to really make an impact, right? You know, you just said something very interesting in getting to know uh, the people who surround you, you know, the people in your team as a leader. And this brings uh, me to a very interesting point, which I hadn't really thought about right now, but you made me think of it, and that's this idea of trust. And I think that we speak a lot about trust with um, brand names and companies' trust with markets, but we don't speak a lot about leadership trust. And a lot of leaders way overestimate how much they believe their teams actually trust them. Yeah. And trust, if we speak again from the neuroscience point of view, comes down to a very small ancient molecule called oxytocin. Yeah. And oxytocin 
is generated when people feel, emotional brain, like they are trusted. And if you increase the levels of oxytocin by getting to know your team, the effects are immediate and measurable. And that is more social collaboration, more creativity, less stress and burnout, and actually more honesty. So, you know, there, there is a lot to be said for, you know, the connection. Connection is why we are here at the end of the day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we need to, to aim for uh, oxytocin leadership, right? (laughs) And uh, to to create those uh, safe environments where, um, you know, there's trust and connection and belonging, uh, which, you know, make, make the, the, the entire difference. Yeah. Radical transparency as well. Absolutely. So from everything that you just said, what would you say is the main secret then to influence your audience? Yeah. I think everybody um, would like to untap, you know, this skill at the end of the day. So the number one key to influence is relevance. I mean, no one can influence anyone else. No one can move minds or markets um, if you are not relevant. You know, I like to say um, that the real reason why innovation is so hard, because innovation is change. And change is hard. Change is uncomfortable. Yeah. It burns more calories. We It forces us to change our habits and embrace ambiguity. And not everybody likes to do that. So Innovation and and influence go kind of hand in hand. You need to influence for change. So number one is relevance. So what are these underlying habits, values, and beliefs of a wider market or two or three people? It doesn't matter. Those are the internal triggers. Do your homework and find out who is sitting in front of you. Not what, but who. What do they know? What do I need them to know? And how am I going to gauge if they have learned? How, what, and what resistance am I going to be able to anticipate because I know their habits, values, and beliefs? So what is top of mind? How is this going to happen? When is it going to happen? In real radical tangibles. So influence happens when we're able to give a clear, consistent, confident message without having all the answers. Yeah. And On top of all of this, you know, denial is natural, you know, especially when I am challenging by innovation or if I want to influence you to do something different. If I'm challenging your habits, values and beliefs, I am going to be met with resistance. So the the best strategic path for influence is align yourself as closely as possible to habits, values and belief of your audience. Then you will have something called the confirmation bias on your side. We like to agree with any idea which affirms or reaffirms our habits, values, and beliefs, but we will disagree with anything which challenges it and makes us feel, emotional brain, too uncomfortable. Wow, that's very interesting. And actually, I'd like to link this with one of the questions from our listeners. What's the best way to untap those underlying habits, values, and beliefs? You know, what's like the secret recipe to really do it uh, in a sort of quick way when you have, you know, a job interview or you have a, a speech to deliver? How can you can you do that? Because sometimes you don't really know the audience very much. So how can you do that? Absolutely. You know, 
I think you're, the big consideration here is do you know them or you don't know them? So if you know who's in front of you, that becomes an easier task and it becomes a question of preparing. But if you don't know your audience, whether it is a job interview or a speech that you need to generate impact in front of 500 people, and there is no way that you can even maybe even see the faces of your audience, there is a technique called an anchor. And an anchor is using common, common ground, these aspects that are common to all of us, which will tap in very quickly to habits, values, and beliefs. For example, everyone has a definition of home or a family or of happiness or of success. So use those. Use those to tap into. Now, our definitions might be different, but you know you are starting on solid common ground. Amazing. Now, I'll share a second and last question from our listeners. You always say that we need to dedicate time to think about how we are going to communicate an idea and not just about the idea itself. So what's your main advice to successfully prepare for this? Um, I think that's often, you know, a big question because, you know, oftentimes, as I mentioned earlier, we focus on what to say, but rarely do we spend enough time in how to say it. So I would break it down into seven points. Number one, don't start with a what, start with a who. Who's in front of you? What do they know? What don't they know? What are they worried about? What are they afraid of? What do they need to know? So who's in front of you? Habits, values, and beliefs. Number two, why should they listen to you? What's the why? What's the mm -hmm. takeaway? What's the objective? What do you want to happen after you finish speaking? Three, the answers to one and two will give you what you should say. Four, Structure it. Every single audience, no matter it's for two minutes or two hours, needs a structure. If you don't have a structure, essentially it's the same thing as if I take a computer, I smash it into a thousand pieces and I give it to you and I say, well, here you have everything you need to build a computer. Any questions? Mm -hmm. So a structure is very, very important to be able to make sure that you are hitting impact and clarity all along the way, especially when you are the expert and your audience is not. Five, simplify. Hmm. You know, this is probably the easiest thing to say and one of the hardest things to do because people are afraid to be simple because they think it's too simple. When in fact, it's easier to be complex. It's easier just to put everything down and not do the work beforehand. But this, unfortunately, generates something that we call decision paralysis. When there is too much information, With, that is the enemy of influence and leadership, then we don't know what to do. And there is no trust. So real leaders are capable of being razor sharp, yeah. super simple. And when I say simple, I'm not even sure if you and I have the same idea of what is simple. <laughs> I'm talking about one key idea, one, not two, not two and a half, not with examples, one. Yeah. The next one, which brings me, you know, to the big six is relevance. So what's in it for me? Again, back to the why. Why should people really, are you really reflecting and, and taking into account the realities, the habits of every day of the people sitting in front of you? And finally, end with verbs, call to action. Yeah. A lot of people wonder why nothing happens and you examine how they finish, you know, what are their last words with people? 
and it is often very passive language. All right, let's summarize what we've seen. It's passive. Instead of that, use verbs. I challenge you. I invite you. Let me show you. Verb, verb, verb. When is this going to happen? Give a date. What should I do? So in making that very active, you will inspire action and you will also clarify what is to happen next, which happens in major corporations or where you need to influence or or somehow invoke decisions that are happening. And I think that the last point that I would like to make here is there are two parts of a message always, both written and spoken, and that is the rational appeal, the analytical appeal, and the emotional appeal. And although the rational is absolutely key, there's no question that you are as credible as your analysis and your points are credible, but decisions truly are made with a bigger part of your brain. The emotional brain gets the first vote. And the reason why we remember things is because they are somehow triggering the emotional limbic system in your brain. And one of the founding principles of neuroscience is emotions make memories. So if you want to be remembered, if you want your message to be remembered, you've got to get emotional. I did not say dramatic. I said emotional. Emotional. So habits, values, and beliefs, again, will automatically trigger. The who and the why questions automatically trigger the emotional brain of your audience. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. There is that sentence that says, people may forget what you said, people may forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel, right? It's true. So it's very true. The emotional part, you know, really going into the limbic system of the brain is uh, very important, right? Absolutely. Catherine, um, I would also like to ask about uh, some career advice from your site, uh, some final words of wisdom for, for our audi audience. So if you were to give one piece of advice, uh, of career advice to our students or participants of our different programs, what would it be related to effective communication or in general? You know, I really um, believe that the way our students are going to shape their future and the way our students are going to lead other people in the future depends 100% on how they communicate and on how they motivate others to follow them, to get them there. Because the success or failure of any idea, no matter how mediocre or radically innovative it is, depends on how well it was communicated. So along with that, which I know our students are pretty much very full aware, there is this creeping issue of confidence. And confidence is as important as competence is. Yeah. So all success, I don't care what you are thinking of doing, all success is a question of belief. And beliefs, again, go very deep down in the brain. So really, you are who you think you are. And I would say everything would flow from there. Wow, amazing. Catherine, thank you so much for being with us today. Everything you just shared about impactful communication and the role neuroscience plays in understanding how perceptions are managed has been so powerful. I think our audience has a much better idea now of how to develop the right strategies to impact their audiences and increase their chances of success as a result. So thank you. 
It is an absolute pleasure. And I wish everyone listening a wild, happy, joyful success. Wow, thank you. And Career Beats goes on next month. In our next episode, we'll talk to Jordi Quidback, Associate Professor of Organizational Behavior at the Sade Business School, previously postdoctoral fellow at Harvard University. He'll share powerful insights about how to manage our emotions to make better decisions and live a happier life. So don't miss our next episode. It will be a great one. Looking forward to seeing you in the next episode of Career Bits. Keep your career beating. Tune in on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts for a monthly dose of career stories, advice, and trends. Thank you.